0: Lord, we love that this life is just the very beginning of an unending joy with you. We thank you for this short uh, 80 years, 90 years, whatever you determine for us. We thank you that what we do here will echo through eternity and have implications uh, in eternity. Uh, but most importantly, we thank you for the, uh, the confidence that we have that this is just the beginning. We think of Alberta's faithfulness over these many years in this church. We thank you for the example that she is for us of how to age well and how to stay on it and not to put on the bin there, done that shirt, but to stay leaning forward, active and involved and engaged. Father, you know how many prayers Alberta has raised for the needs of those in this church and around the world. We thank you for this prayer, warrior. And we pray for her now, that as she makes this transition to Linden, that it would go smoothly. We know this is a challenging uh, move, and uh, we just pray that your grace would be upon her. And Father, as we now move into your word, we pray that you would put your grace upon us as well. And Spirit, we pray that you would speak clearly and decisively in our lives and equip us by these verses as we study together. In Jesus' name, amen. We are beginning, I'm so giddy about this, we are beginning a a series in the Gospel of Luke, and uh, I've been excited about this since even before sabbatical began, but especially with what we experienced on sabbatical, um, journeying through the Holy Land, and then I had been reading in Luke, saturating in Luke, and all of the places that uh, Luke goes, we got to go, and they came alive, and so we're going to see some of those things together, and I want to bring you into some of that experience. And uh, this morning is an interesting, uh, interesting passage. One thing we know about the Word is that every verse counts, right? There's no, there's no insignificant verse of Scripture. All Scripture is inspired, and it's profitable. And so when you come into a new book, you often need to uh, get your bearings. Uh, who are we? Where are we? What's going on? What's the situation? And what is the goal of this book? How does it speak to our lives? And so this is kind of a ground-laying message that I pray will equip us with a lot of that context for the weeks to come. I titled this Dedication and Documentation, and you'll see the sermon notes there on the back of your bulletin. Some of what I would hope to do this morning is to acquaint you with the Gospels in, in, in kind of a general category and then move in on these first four verses of the Gospel of Luke. This is how Luke begins his Gospel. He says this, "...inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word have delivered them to us, it, seems good, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. Okay, so those are the verses we're going to cover today, and and you can see some of what uh, is significant as those words jump out there in Luke. But before we get into those and, and kind of pull those apart and look closely at those, I want to back up a little bit and consider the fact that in your Bible, there are four gospels. There's no other category like this where you have an event or a series of events that are multiplied four times, looked at the same from four different people. And so a lot of times people say, well, hey, why does the New Testament begin this way? Why is it that there is a a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and a John? Is that necessary or is it overkill? Well, we always go back to uh, the fact that uh, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's given to us, and it's, it's complete. We have the full, complete uh, canon of Scripture. And so each of these books has been ordained by God and preserved by God and handed down through the ages, so we're confident that this is His Word. But we ask the question, why would God want us to have four Gospels? So here's a few thoughts on that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each wrote with distinct backgrounds. They had uh, distinct personalities. Each of these individuals was very different. And they also had, as they wrote and were carried along by the Holy Spirit, they had different goals in writing. Uh, They were were aiming at different uh, purposes in their writing. And so I want to give you just a a bit of a view to three, three reasons why I think at least we have four Gospels. Number one, uh, having four Gospels written from these different points of view gives us a a more complete picture of Jesus' life and ministry. Some of the Gospels were written by apostles, men who journeyed with Jesus, right? They they experienced these things firsthand. They went through these events firsthand. And, And other Gospels were written by those who were looking in but interviewing those who experienced them firsthand and gathering and, and collecting firsthand eyewitness testimony of these things. And so um, they, they benefit us because we can, just like you would hold a diamond up and turn it, you see the light refract in different ways. Uh, there's a benefit to seeing the glory of God in the ministry and the life of Jesus from different points of view. The second benefit is, is it gives us a, a confirmation of the reliability of the accounts, of the events. Uh, they had a scholar who held up the four gospels against one another, and he kind of came at it like a courtroom would of eyewitness testimony. And he found that, in fact, uh, their, their testimony was so solid, it would have passed in the courtroom as true. It just, just set aside the fact that it's obviously God's word. Uh, the, the testimony lines up to the level of detail that gives us that level of confidence, even in a modern day courtroom setting. And so you have a reliability, this is a trustworthiness of God's Word that's shown in this display that Matthew shows us, and then Mark, and then Luke, and then John. They're all showing the same events. Some emphasize different events, some omit certain events to show other events, but when you back up, you see the storyline unfold of the life and ministry of Jesus. And third, I think it gives us just a blaring statement of of the centrality of the person and work of Jesus. Uh, There is, at the very beginning of the New Testament, the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament, this focal point, the spotlight that is just thrown onto Jesus. It's it's like the Bible wants you to see it's him. He, he's, it's all about him. So not only does the Old Testament find its, its focus in Christ and much of the fulfillment is established in that life and ministry, but then all of the New Testament echoes it out. So the anticipation of the old, the realization and the anticipation of the coming uh, future fulfillment of the book of Revelation, it's all about Jesus. And it focuses there. So four different men writing to say, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, the ends of the earth, look to Jesus. have hmm. been uh, working with some couples who are uh, preparing for marriage, and uh, it just struck me as I heard myself sh- sharing about marriage and talking about marriage, I just kept coming back to Jesus. And, and I just couldn't help but say, I just this is the theme of my song. It's, all, it's the focus of everything. It's about Him. A wedding is about Him. A funeral is about Him. This morning is about Him. Your Bible is about Him. Jesus. Centrality. From life's first cry to final breath, it's about Jesus. So let me give you a view that uh, I gained in Bible school that I found very helpful when thinking about the four Gospels. Uh, They have uh, a different way of emphasizing aspects of Jesus and and who he is and what he has accomplished and and what it means for us. Think first of Matthew, tax collector on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Despised, hated, seen as the, the ultimate betrayer of the faithful Jews. Jesus goes and says, I pick you, come and follow me. And he leaves everything and he follows Jesus. He's called by Jesus to be a disciple An apostle. He wrote mainly to a Jewish audience. And then think of his emphasis here. His emphasis is that Jesus is the son of David. The son of David sitting upon the throne forever. So for Matthew, you can write in son of David. You see this over and over and over. The anticipation of prophecy that would be realized in Jesus as the the ruler of his people the one who would rule, sitting on the throne of David. Then Mark, John Mark, you might remember him. Uh, He was the cousin of Barnabas, close friend of the apostle Peter, really from whom he drew a lot of source material in writing his gospel. Um, He was an eyewitness uh, of the life of Jesus as well, Peter was, and he wrote primarily to a Gentile audience. So think of that. There's a, there's a different focus here. John Mark is writing to Gentiles where Matthew has a primary audience of Jews. What is Mark's emphasis? He says that Jesus is the suffering servant who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Interesting. Interesting. So you see the different angle. Now Mark, uh, Mark is, for, for those who, who like short, concise books, that's Mark. Okay, He didn't include everything, but he included what he thought was important to, to bring out this emphasis and bring to the people that he was writing to. So he didn't include a lot of the Old Testament references because he was focusing on a Gentile audience, where if you're focusing on a Jewish audience, the uh, Old Testament references are critical to establishing Jesus' fulfillment. Now, Luke, we're going to learn more about this man, but here's a few points to just have in your mind to, as you think about who Luke is, as he writes. First, he's an evangelist, an evangelist. We'll see more about that in a few minutes. He is a Gentile. Also more on that to come, but that's, that's very significant, as he writes. A dedicated historian And he wrote to a very distinct audience. Uh, No other gospel was written the way that Luke was written. And so it makes Luke very unique in that as we consider this. What is the theme or the emphasis that Luke wants to draw out? Well, it's the humanity of Jesus Christ. So when you think about Jesus and his personhood and his work, you think humanity and divinity. If you deny either one of these, you're a heretic. And church history is replete with people who have done that. Well, Jesus wasn't really human, or he wouldn't, he, he, he wouldn't be God. Or, well, he was definitely human, but he couldn't be God. You see, you get into heresy in a heartbeat if you deny any uh, of these two points. Luke wants to bring out the humanity of Christ. And my uncle wrote an excellent book, um, The Man Christ Jesus. And I in our day, we tend to think a lot more of divinity of Jesus. But that book and the Gospel of Luke will help bring us into a good balance of seeing both. He's the God-man. Truly man, truly God. And so we see this emphasis in Luke. John, the beloved apostle, one who was extremely close to Jesus. He was called as an apostle by Jesus he wrote mainly to a Jewish audience, and this was his, his emphasis was the deity of Christ or divinity of Christ. This is, it's this side over here. So Luke emphasizes the humanity, which is so important in understanding who Jesus was. John draws out over and over again the deity of Christ as the Son of God, who is the great I Am. Okay, so I hope that's helpful when you think about There's four gospels, and they really do serve unique purposes in uh, the 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 canon of scripture that we have been blessed with. So, when you're thinking about your devotion reading and what you should read, I would definitely encourage you to put a gospel in very regularly. That we should be mixing in gospels quite often, and if you're wanting to. Have an emphasis on the humanity of Christ, you know, you can go uh, to Luke. If you want to see the deity of Christ, you can go to John and and other aspects of this. What does it entail? So there's a little on the four Gospels. Now let's zoom in a little on the Gospel of Luke this morning. We're going to be in this series for quite some time. Um, In fact, what we might do is do half of the Gospel of Luke, take a break do a short exposition in another book, and come back and finish it because it is quite large. It's, it's the longest gospel, and uh, it's an epic, epic book. So about the author, Luke is only mentioned by name three times in the New Testament. Three times, as he mentioned, he purposefully omits his name in both of the books that he writes. Uh, this is a form of humility to be expressed. He does not include his name. You see this in other books as well. Uh, I'll give you the three references where Luke is mentioned. Paul mentions him in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. He says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Just previous to this, in verse 11, he lists all of his Jewish partners, those who were uh, of the circumcision uh, or the Jews. And, and then he separates Luke out. So this is one of the ways that we know that Luke, in fact, was a Gentile, uh, which is very significant when you think about uh, the gospel and how God has brought the gospel beyond just the Jews to, to the Gentiles, to all nations. In Philemon 23 and 24, we read this. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, there he is again, and Luke, my fellow worker. Okay, so you kind of see a pattern here of this partnership with the Apostle Paul and these men. Uh, John Mark was, was a part as well. He was very helpful to Paul in uh, the latter years of his ministry. Uh, the early years of ministry, they didn't get along that well, but uh, thankfully the gospel prevailed and they sorted things out. Uh, we looked at that when we studied uh, through Philemon and also through Acts. Then in 2 Timothy, near the end of Paul's life, don't don't forget that, Paul is near the end of his life and he is in a rough, rough situation. He writes this, do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We we mentioned that last week. Uh, In love with this present world, the deceitfulness of riches, whatever that entailed for Demas, he was with Paul, he was with Paul, and then vanished and he left Paul at one of the most important times to be there for Paul. He was gone. Hmm. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only Luke, Luke alone is with me and he writes to Timothy, get Mark, bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. So there's Luke and there's Paul. And so we learn a lot about Luke in this. Those are the three places we, we, we read about who Luke is. Give you a little bit more on the uh, background of this. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles. These are connected. In fact, if you try to separate them, uh, they don't really make sense. So the Gospel of Luke, he writes, and the emphasis is the life and ministry of Jesus. And then just in the next move, he, he brings the same introduction and it's written again to Theophilus uh, and, and it chronicles the acts of the apostles or the carrying on of the ministry of Jesus Christ and the gospel throughout the world as it spreads in its reach, the gospel of Luke. It's the longest and the most detailed gospel. Uh, we, again, we learn about Luke in that, just that fact alone. He penned, think of this, Luke penned one-third of the New Testament. Luke wrote more of the New Testament than the Apostle Paul. He was a Gentile writer. He was the only Gentile writer in the entire New Testament. That's an amazing thing to consider. We're talking volumes of Scripture preserved and handed down, inspired and given, with great care, authority, and trustworthiness through the pen of Luke, the great physician. He wrote Luke in the early 60s AD. There's debate about this, but I believe that this is the most likely time period when he would have been writing. Uh, In fact, uh, one speculates, I heard someone speculate that he would have been writing the gospel of Luke um, in his companionship with Paul, uh, for instance, like during Romans, as, as uh, they were there and, and, and Romans was, was being worked on, Luke was probably there with Paul. And Paul might have been like, hey, where are you at in your gospel account? Read it to me, you know. And so there would have been this, this connection with Paul as Luke was going about his work, detailing out this history and putting it down together for our benefit as well. Luke was a highly educated man. Uh, Scholars of classical Greek are floored by the eloquence of the verses that I read at the beginning of the sermon. The first four verses of the Gospel of Luke are written in flawless classical Greek. And you have to be extremely trained and highly educated, very eloquent, in order to pull off what he did in those first four verses. And then he writes in more of a a broad uh, reach of his Koine Greek, but this is a classical introduction that even non-Christian scholars are fascinated with, and it shows his education. He was also a medical doctor. You think about the ministry of Paul. Think about what Paul has gone through, all of the affliction of Paul's ministry, what a benefit it was, not only in evangelistic partnership, but also in uh, having Dr. Luke alongside the Apostle Paul. In their journeys, Luke was a radical follower of Jesus Christ as well, a radical follower of Jesus. He risked his life time and again as he and Paul journeyed together throughout these missionary journeys. He uh, was a committed follower of Christ, even willing to put his life on the line in very dangerous situations, um, like we almost assume Paul does because he's so bold. But Luke is right there with him in many of these scenarios. His life was in in danger as well. And so we learn more about the man who's going to introduce us more to Jesus himself. Luke was a man of great character. There are things that we can find as he writes and and kind of just point us to who he is as as a man. He is a humble and servant-hearted man. He doesn't mention himself by name. He doesn't draw attention to his part in the work. He is a, a historian in that. He's trying to draw out uh, the events, and he just doesn't put himself in view. Um, servant-hearted. This was a ton of work. The amount of work to, to, to chronicle and record the way that he did, uh, given the circumstances and the challenges of that time period, are incredible. He was a meticulous and precise man. This is one of the benefits, again, as we come to this gospel, to see he cared about precision. Uh, In his gospel, he uses quite precise words. Even in medical terms, he'll give levels of detail that other gospel writers don't. And you see some of that medical emphasis coming out. Now, Luke wants to see as full an account as he can as he writes this a tenacious and persistent man. This would have been a hard work, a challenging work, one that would have been quite discouraging and, and difficult. Think of Kathleen and the, and the work that she does in working over in Bangladesh in the midst of challenging circumstances with words and language. The very careful work, recording precisely, very similar to that. It takes a tenacious person, persistent person, And he was faithful and loyal. When everyone else left Paul, Luke was there. Luke was there. That says a lot about Luke as a man. All of this is God's grace at work in his life. I want to give you a bit of an overview. This is kind of a roadmap to where we're going to be going. And I find it helpful just to have some of these things in view. Sometimes if you're in the verses, you don't have a chance to step back and see big picture. Where are we at? What, what is the, the flow of this? And so here's an overview of the Gospel of Luke from, say, 60,000 feet. Chapter one and two introduce, and they show us about Jesus' prophetic arrival. These are very familiar verses. In fact, most of the time at Christmas, we're in Luke chapter two. And so here's the challenge that we have. It's not Christmas time yet, but we're gonna be in a very Christmas story. And, and, and our goal is to say, Lord, show us something new here. Maybe we've read these verses dozens of times, but there's always more. As we turn the gem of God's living word, he will meet us there. Jesus' prophetic arrival. Chapters 3 and 4a, Jesus' preparation for ministry. And so there's a preparation work that takes place before Jesus enters his uh, public ministry. Uh, 4B through 9A, that happens. Jesus launches out into his public ministry in Galilee is where that's, this primarily happens. And we were there. We, we got to be in these cities and towns, and I've got all kinds of pictures I can't wait to show you guys of this, this place that this took, took place. And so the Galilee ministry of Jesus... And then chapter 9b through 19a, Jesus begins his journey to Jerusalem. And this is a fascinating flow of revelation as Jesus makes a, a loop, a kind of a clockwise loop down toward the Dead Sea and then back up to Jerusalem as he prepares for his finishing work in Jerusalem. Uh, chapters 19 through 21 chronicle a ministry that Jesus had in Jerusalem just before uh, the week of his passion. And then Luke gives us an incredible amount of detail and, and clarity on uh, the suffering and the death of Jesus in Jerusalem there. And then also in chapter 24, the glorious victory chapter, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, the Savior of the world. And so Hopefully, that helps give you kind of a, a big picture view of where we're going in the weeks ahead. These are incredible verses that God has brought and preserved for our benefit as well. Now, audience and aim. Let's get into these first four verses and see some of the things that, that we can uh, catch as they, as they jump off the, the page here inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Now, when he says many, we have to understand that the Gospels of Matthew and Mark have already been written by the time that Luke writes his. And so I believe he's, he's referring in, in, in the many, he's referring to these two, but also others. Think of the, the parting of the waters of history. And all the people who would have said, this is significant, we should chronicle this. And so God didn't preserve as his holy word every account, he did preserve four, and that's the four gospels we have. Luke is mentioning others as well, but I think especially Mark is a a gospel narrative that he is uh, looking to and drawing upon as he writes as one of his sources. And then he says this word, uh, the things that have been accomplished, or another way to say this would be fulfilled among us. I think the New American Standard says fulfilled. Uh, This is a word that speaks to the prophetic fulfillment of Christ. These events that they witnessed, uh, Luke understands, even as a Gentile, he's saying, this is not a new story. This This is the fulfillment of what God has spoken of old, and here we go. Here it is. It's Jesus. He is the fulfillment. The synoptic gospels, you might have heard this in reference to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These three gospels referred to as the synoptics or uh, together, sin, together, sight. Uh, They see together. Uh, John's gospel stands out from the other three as uh, kind of separate from this. John was the last to write and uh, he has a very different emphasis, which is a glorious one as well. Now, he goes on. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, and I would just add uh, the, the focus of this would be the apostles. So you have eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Primarily here, we're talking about the authority of the apostles who were called by Jesus Christ in person and commissioned by Christ to go and and carry his word, to teach what he has done. So just as those who were from the beginning, eyewitnesses, ministers of the word, have delivered them to us primarily through the preaching ministry, it seemed good to me also, Luke says, having followed or New American Standard investigated there's a careful, thorough investigation. Uh, I looked into these things, and I think in that word we even see uh, the, the confidence of Luke's faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. He is, he is saying in a sense, these things are true, and I've looked carefully into them, and I want to bring them now. I, I've looked at, uh, followed them all things closely or carefully for some time past, it seemed good to me to write an orderly account. I think this word the ESV chooses is best uh, because Luke doesn't always follow a careful chronology. He wants to put it in a, an orderly account, a logical flow for us to see. And so uh, the times that he moves things around, he does so uh, with the purpose of helping us to follow the storyline of Christ from beginning to end. And then he says this, for you. Most excellent Theophilus. For you. Well, I thought it was for us. Well, it is for us. by the preservation of God's holy word and His sovereign ordaining of all things. But specifically and uniquely, God stirred Luke to write this account of things as He chronicled them and, and put them together for a man named Theophilus. And so we meet most excellent Theophilus. We know very little about this man outside of his mention here and also at the beginning of the book of Acts, which is the the sequel to uh, this account and the building out of these things. Now, the most excellent Theophilus means that this man was a, a man of influence. He was A man who was either a governor or in some type of leadership position where this terminology would have been common in this day. You would refer to them, you know, President Trump or Governor Inslee or Most Excellent Theophilus, something along those lines. So someone of great influence who was, in fact, a believer. They'd heard the preaching and teaching of the good news of Jesus Christ, committed themselves to the gospel, to the Lord Jesus. And Luke is writing to bolster. Look at what he says here. So that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. You have been taught. So Luke aims to bring certainty, confidence to most excellent Theophilus. And that meets us here today as well. There is a a way that reading and studying deeply through this book can benefit our lives. As we follow Jesus, we can find a similar certainty, a grounding, a rooting, uh, in a level of detail, as Luke brings us these truths of the life and ministry of Jesus. And that's my prayer, is that our journey together would accomplish that. There might be some in our, our journey here together today who don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and this is a great place to begin to move through that and say, well, who is he? What did he do? Why is it such a big deal? Why is history literally parted by this man? And how will it change my life? In the weeks ahead, I pray that God will in fact do that. Strengthen our faith, change the very foundation of lives. And so uh, if you have friends or neighbors or loved ones who don't know Jesus, uh, who are not worshiping Him in a a church that's faithfully preaching the Word, this is a good time to find the courage to invite them, encourage them to come, and journey together with us together through this incredible book. The benefit of a written account is significant. Imagine if all we had was uh, the oral tradition, that which was handed down. What if I was here... No Bible today, but just saying to you, listen, when I was young, my dad told me about these things. And I want to bring them to you this morning. This is the truth of God as I have been told. That is a way for the Lord to preserve His Word. And for a number of years, it was handed down faithfully. But praise the Lord for men like Luke, who had the courage and took the time to write the Word and chronicle this for us so that at a level of inspired precision, we too can have that confidence. These things are true. He is the Savior. So our response this morning, just three things as we close. Number one, I think we see, and we will see once again, uh, the, the, the level to which we find a trust in the Word of God. There is a great care that has been taken in this gospel, by Luke, to get it right, to see the whole story, and and then to get it down in an orderly account for most excellent Theophilus and for us as we study. Second, I think it should remind us and call us, not only in our joy as we study, but in our lives as we live, to the preeminence of Christ, that He is the focal point. He is the one whose name we carry. And He is the one that our worship should be focused upon. Our lives should be lived for every day. There is nothing more important in this life or the next than Jesus Christ. Third, I think the certainty of our faith is a big piece of the puzzle. I'm praying that even today as we consider the, the background and the context of these things that we'll see the emphasis here. I talk to people sometimes and they say, you know, I have big questions. Sometimes I I wake up and I just wonder, is this all real? Is this all real? That is a normal challenge. It's part of what it means to place your faith in Jesus is to come against those questions and say, it is true. It is true. And here's another reason to see that. The clarity, the preservation of God's word. Look at the detail. Look at the agreement among the gospel writers. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. It is true. Friends, your faith is not blind. We do not practice blind faith. We place our faith in a real man who lived in a real place at a real time. I walked on the places where he walked. I stood in places where he he taught and Maybe, in fact, where he was crucified. Our faith is sure and certain. And that's my prayer today, that, that we would have our lives grounded, that our, our, our faith would be encouraged and strengthened as we journey together. Let's pray. Lord, we anticipate this great journey that we have just begun this morning. Just four verses in, what an awesome chronicle that it is. I thank you, Lord, for the man named Luke. I thank you that he was a real man, a real person who had real challenges and yet who showed tremendous character, was used by you in such an incredible way, a Gentile, saved by your grace through the work of Jesus Christ, raised up to write one-third of our New Testament. We thank you for the work that you did in his life. We thank you for Theophilus, and the work that you did in his life. We look forward to sharing eternity with these men and many, many others. We pray, Lord, that you would make us like them, make us faithful, persistent, humble, precise, and all of these other things. And Lord, use the work of Luke's hands as he penned each word to bless our lives, to to strengthen our faith, just like Theophilus that we would find ourselves rooted and established in the life and ministry, the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen.